Belief is something that, that to be true to it, one must test it. Welcome back to Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Happy Easter! Join us every Monday as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. I'm your host, Helena Martin. This episode, we welcome Mark Heim, Samuel Abbott Professor of Christian Theology at Andover Newton Seminary at Yale Divinity School, and Abdul Rahman Malik, Associate Research Scholar and Lecturer in Islamic Studies. They're continuing our conversation about John from last week, now discussing John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, which is appointed for the second Sunday of Easter for year C. The text is read for you by student Fiona Chen. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hands and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in this name. So this passage is probably one of those that's famous in popular culture, whether people know much about the Bible or not, they know yeah, that. I, I, exactly. I, I, you know, Doubting Thomas. But, but, you know, the truth is people will say Doubting Thomas and they have no idea what doubt he had. They don't even know who Thomas is. It's just one of those things that, that rolls off the tongue easily. And I have to say that, that I had some sense of this passage, but but reading it again here in preparation for our conversation today really, really brought it home. It's quite a dramatic moment, isn't it, Mark? It, it is. And there's some pretty dramatic representations of it, too. Caravaggio has a painting where you can almost you can almost feel the finger in the in the wound in the side of of Jesus. And it's also 
you know, figured very prominently in sort of academic debates and discussions between believers and unbelievers. Uh, within within the sacred text, there's a kind of affirmation of the legitimacy, to some extent, of the suspicion or the, or the show me kind of attitude, right? That some people may may believe readily and some people are wanting more by way of backup and proof. That's kind of a perennial question in, in, in doubt as a dimension in, in faith. I feel for Thomas, and actually I feel with Thomas as I'm reading this, because I I feel like his doubt is not I mean, it's not its not coming out of left field. It's not like a doubt in Jesus. It's not like a doubt in God. But it's this, this very traumatic thing has just happened. And then the result of this has resulted in another trauma because the person that you thought had was gone is now in front of you. And you're like slightly incredulous. And I think there is something in Thomas that is in all of us. We are not creation that relies merely on faith. We need to engage with the substance of things in order to understand them. And Jesus understands that, doesn't he, in this passage? Because he invites, he invites Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my stop, stop doubting and believe. But but Jesus didn't say stop doubting and believe first. He says, stop doubting and believe after the physicality, the physical reality of the crucifixion and the fact that this is Jesus has been verified. I think that's a subtle thing, but, but an important thing that, that, that the stop doubting and believe comes afterwards. And I think a lot of religious people, isn't it? Go to the line, stop doubting and believe. Don't be a doubting Thomas. In fact, I think what we should be saying is, be a doubting Thomas, but be open to having your belief tested, verified, and then enter into belief fully. That, that's what it says to me, at least. Yeah, and something else that's striking about this, I mean, there's, uh, there's theological debates in, about the, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, the physicality of the risen body. And here, that's very much at issue in a sense, in a, in a practical way, that, that Thomas wants to feel the tangibility of this reality to actually make it real to him. And, and there's a whole story there about creation itself. That is that Christians had this argument early on amongst themselves about whether to affirm even the Jewish scriptures and the Jewish God of creation, who was the one behind the material world. And so affirming the bodily resurrection of Jesus is in one hand, affirming the goodness of that created reality of that material world. And it, it has a future in God's plan. But for me personally, I've always been struck that the resurrection appearances of Jesus, many, many times, people are unclear about who it is or what it is. And there's a kind of recognition moment where he comes into focus. People say, oh, that's who it is. And the, in this case, the, it's the wounds of Jesus are essential to his identity, to knowing who this one is and, and the continuity of who I knew before and who I'm knowing now. And picking out those those traits uh, that are so important. And early on in the passage, before Thomas ever shows up, Jesus voluntarily shows, it says he stood among them. When he'd said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Like he, he that's, you know, identification. <laughs> right, it's, it's who right. I am. 
It's showing his passport or his ID card. In Thomas's situation, it's like, well, I, I demand that you show me these things. But I already showed you these things. But I think it's the, it's the continuity of the story of who it is, the person. There is also this line um, which comes after the uh, the exchange with Thomas, uh, where the other disciples told him, "We have seen the Lord." But he said to them, "Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger inside, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And then, as we go down past that past that scene, Jesus says, "Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen." and yet have believed. And I have to say, I had to pause at that point, Mark, because it reminded me so much of the scene at the, at the deathbed of the Prophet Muhammad that is described to us in the, in the Islamic tradition. And, and it is said that the companions of the Prophet gathered around him during his final illness, and they heard him in a, in a state which seemed like a state of confusion to them, saying, where are my siblings? Where are my siblings? And they said, oh, messenger of God, we, your brothers, we're here. We're, we're with you. And then in a moment of clarity, and they realized that indeed the prophet wasn't hallucinating, but indeed was giving a lesson and said, you are my companions. You are not my siblings. And they were they were shocked actually. <laughs> they were like, "We've stood with you. We've been with you. We've gone through all of this with you. Who who possibly could be your siblings?" And he said, "There are those who will come after me who will never have seen me, and yet yet would have believed in me." And and for the believer, isn't that such a isn't that, that such a moment of, of of elation? And I feel the same as I read this, as 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 a believing Christian would would read this. What a sense of elation and affirmation uh, a believer must get from this text to know that we're blessed, even though we didn't see him, and we're blessed because in his message was was the compelling evidence for our believing in him. I, I, that really strikes me because I have the same experience in my own faith. You know, that's, that's a wonderful, a wonderful observation. I never really quite thought about it that way, but you're saying in the case of the prophet Muhammad, a, a reader or a hearer of that can say, oh, I'm, I'm not less than one of the ones who was present there at that time. And, exactly. And that in this passage, that in a way, Jesus is saying, you know, even more blessed will be those who come who don't have what you have. Yes. And nevertheless, believe as you do. And, and Jesus kind of says it, because you have seen me, you have believed. Mm-hmm. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Like, it, there is something about it. And I, I think, Mark, it speaks to this whole question, I think particularly that we ask in post-modernity or post-post-modernity around the nature of belief. Like, what does it mean to, to believe, right? And this, this notion that's often thrown in the face of believers, that belief is somehow some kind of feeling or some kind of emotive response, you know? And, and I've always, in my own sense of belief, rejected that, you know? Because I think that there's nothing harder than belief. Because belief is something that, that to be true to it, one must test it. And one has to explore it. And one has to understand it. And that it's not about mere belief, but about deepening belief and growing belief and expansive, expansive belief. But it begins, doesn't it, with that, 
with that sense, right, of being connected to the source of blessedness. And I always think about Rowan Williams, the former uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, um, in an interfaith context, he was speaking, and he says, you know, what happens when we get to the precipice, where we ask all the questions, and we get to the precipice, and we don't see answers anymore? In a way, that was belief, till we get to that point where we've answered all the questions, but there's some questions that we can't fully contend with, but we have all of this incredible, rich theology behind us. Take the step forward, that's belief. And that really speaks to me, because I feel in my own life, I've come to sometimes to those places, right? Where, where all of the theology has helped me get to there, but then you stand before the eternal presence of God, not fully contending it, not fully understanding it, but believing, believing in it. And so I think, I think this allusion to belief and the process of belief is, is really powerful for, for me. And that line really encapsulates so much of that, of that process. Thanks for listening. If you take a moment to subscribe to this podcast or favorite it, different apps call it different things, you'll help someone else find it. And thank you to everyone who's subscribed so far. You can check out YaleBibleStudy.org for more Bible study resources. And follow us on Twitter at BibleYale to stay up to date on all our offerings at the Center for Continuing Education. Chapter, Verse, and Season is produced by Joel Baden, Kelly Morrissey, and me, Helena Martin. Aiden Stoddart is our editorial and production assistant, and our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. Thanks, as always, to the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. And thank you, Professors Haim and Malik, for their insights on Doubting Thomas. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.